Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm your host, Morgan Snyder. A hundred miles is a long distance in a vehicle and quite a long distance on a bike, but even more on foot. Dave Eitmiller, my good friend, considers a 100-mile adventure race just something you do on a weekend. 25-mile trail run in the Colorado Rockies, just something that you do in the morning before your day gets started. Dave is a wild man, an adventurous leader of men, and a really good man. Dave has served as a facilitator at quite a few Become Good Soil intensives now, and he's done stints as an international businessman, passionate fly fisherman, but even more is a great father and husband and now grandfather on a recent hut-to-hut backcountry ski trip. My friend Justin captured a photo of Dave, and it is just brilliant. In that picture, all of us, we were looking at this photo going, yes, this is Dave. You can see that photo on the web page at Become Good Soil associated with this podcast. But in it, you see in Dave's eyes a strength, a goodness, a kindness, a levity, a courage. And it's what you meet when you meet Dave. I had a chance recently to bring Dave into the studio just to have one of the regular conversations that we have together, but to hit record so that I could bring some of his life and what God has planted in his heart and the many decades that he's done the work of excavation uh, to bring that to you. So I'd like to, with joy and excitement, turn towards a recent conversation with my good friend. I think you'll enjoy this. Who is Dave Eitmiller? Well, I'm 58 years old as of today, or recently. One wife, two daughters, one of them's married. I've got four grandkids um, in the throes of chaos, you know, six, five, three, and a newborn. Wow. I, uh, I spent a lot of my time in Asia, both in professional ministry as well as in corporate America. And despite having spent lots of years in Asia working, my heart has always been adventure, epic expeditions. And uh, my corporate career in Asia was good. It was a lot of great stuff. And it suited my driven personality and performance personality that had been coming out of wounds, but I managed multiple manufacturing sites at the time, general manager of several divisions, was a CEO of a Hong Kong company at at one point in time. But as God continued to take me on this journey of becoming a son, uh, Sue and I were towards at at the end of our time in Asia and realizing that, you know, we're here in Asia still. Our kids are back in the U.S. Our parents are in the U.S. We have a really good couple friends here, but why else are we here? And the answer was, well, we're here because the money's good. 
And we just realized, like, we, we know that's not a good reason to be over here. Like, that's the only reason we're here? And we're like, yep, we're here because the money's good. And we uh, spoke out loud. I can remember walking our dog in one evening. We said, are we going to say this out loud? Like, we're going to go back? Like, yeah, we need to go back. It's time to go back to the U.S. If we're just here for the money, there's more things that God's calling us into beyond money. And I, I told the company I was working for at the time that I needed to go back, personal reasons. It's, you know, and I explained it in full detail that our family's back here and we just feel like we're done. You know, I had put a manager in charge of the business I was in recently and he was doing well. And uh, I knew that was there was no job for me over here. And that was, I was probably leaving earlier than I would financially like to leave. A couple of weeks later, the CEO calls me and says, Dave, I, I, um, I just want to talk to you about some things. I, I think um, we've got a role here that we're restructuring things a bit. And, you know, frankly, you're already doing it anyway. But you could do this from Colorado. So if you're interested, let's talk. It's amazing. Uh, After you made the commitment yeah, of we're going I, back. Right. He wanted me to work full-time. One, it's, it's not a full-time job. But more than that, there's some other stuff that I feel um, my life is is a part of now that I want to step into when I do come back. And I, I, I'll do this part-time. So we worked out a deal and I came back and I've been working part-time doing that. And it has given me such uh, leeway, such freedom to pursue the other things in the kingdom mm -hmm. that God has called me into. Um, and that's probably about to come to an end soon as well, you know, but it's been such a gift to be able to transition into a lighter stage of life part-time. Mm. Um, so good of the father to offer that. I mean, I've been doing that now for four years. I, I mean, I thought it might be a year, but it's been good. And, um, and so that's what brought us back and God provided, he's walked with me through it and he's ushered me into this new stage of life with grandkids and mm. a son-in-law in his decade of the thirties. Mm. And, um, and all that that involves, you know? So it's been really, really rich and really good. And life is good. Well, speaking of things that God has brought you into in his kingdom, you served as a facilitator at a few of the Become Good Soil intensives now. And I am so grateful that you would take time to join me today in this podcast and offer out of your story some treasures that I know a lot of men are going to benefit from. So let's dive in. The background of my story being in a Christian home tends to say, oh, you must have been okay. And I thought it was okay too. Mm. You know, but it wasn't 40 years until I started walking into new things. And part of what you guys had, had shown me that I realized, oh my gosh, like I miss so much. Like I thought, this was what I thought Christianity was about discipline and mm. formula. And so I think the messages I got up until 40 mm -hmm. were just so, so completely formula driven and performance driven. And, and I lived out of those, those messages. Unless you know the background, you don't realize how huge the breakthrough that Jesus has brought yes. is. And it's easy to put that into context when there's sexual abuse involved or your father was never there or it's something that everybody equates as being a hugely traumatic upbringing that you've had to come out of. 
And I, you know, in the world's eyes, that's not what I came mm. from. I mean, I came from this good Christian home. Um, parents were both there. Mom worked hard to put, you know, get our meals together and get clothes for me and send me off to school. Um, my father worked hard. He was a math teacher, which is sort of ironic because I learned how to live by formula. Interesting. These are the rules. Follow them. I was the oldest son. Wow. Well, I couldn't put words to all this as I was growing up. There was just so much expectation upon me as the oldest son. And there was a defining moment at one point, I probably was 10 or 12, my father in frustration, a good man but also wounded, in frustration said to me, Dave, you're the oldest. You need to be the leader. So start leading. Mm. And I received that at the time. It was like, I don't, okay. I don't know what to do. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? I'm doing, I'm doing something wrong in your view because you know, I'm obviously not leading, but I don't know how to lead. Mm. So that moment and, and many other moments and words that I received in my, my upbringing brought me to a number of key messages that I lived in from that point on. And you know, those messages were, were that there's something wrong with you. You're on your own. And you better learn how to fix this. Mm. <clears throat> and I can put words to that now, but I couldn't. I mean, there's no way I could back then. I was just, I just felt like I was a kid that was the oldest, not doing what I should do, um, growing up in a middle class family that was just sort of mediocre. An additional wounding to that whole situation was that we're going to a good church. We're being told what the gospel is. I'm being told that. You have a good family. Be gracious, you know, mm -hmm. be grateful for what you have. And so I felt like I needed to be, and yet I felt like this is life. Like I've come that you might have life and might have it abundantly, and I memorize that and I quote it and all, but like this is not. Seriously, this is it? Like I get C plus at best? Mm. So, you know, fast forward, you can do several things with those messages. And, and part of my, my uh, late years in high school was I just said, screw it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not trying anymore. Watch this. You know, I'm going to go so out of the bounds that you guys won't know what to do with it. And so I went there. And then I came back, ironically, came back into, I want to say walking with God. There was a spiritual awakening, mm -hmm. but there was more of a awakening to a new way to perform, which was a Christian way to perform. Mm. And again, I couldn't put words to it then, but I found myself sitting with my parents telling them about my rebirth you know, about how I now love God. I love the word. No, I actually wouldn't say I love God. I said, I love the word. You mm -hmm. know, I love scripture. I'm I'm in a Bible study. I'm involved with the campus ministry. And they were so pleased, you know. I got involved with a campus organization, met my wife, went on staff with them, and were there for 10 years. And it was a disaster. Mm. I mean, I don't know what I accomplished there. What do you mean disaster? A disaster is there was performance requirements on me within that organization, and I wasn't meeting them. So it was a Christian performance-based ministry that I'm like, I don't think I get it. Like, I'm not getting the numbers. There, again, there's something wrong with me. I better figure out how to fix this. And my way to fix it then was study the Word more, pray more, discipline yourself, Go to the hardest place in the world and prove that you can do it. Wow. So Christian version of the same three sentences that were shaping you from your childhood. Yeah. 
And, you know, you can get away with that in the world and even in a Christian organization. But you know where you can't get away with it? And you know in your marriage. Mm. So I want to say 15, 20 years into my marriage with Sue, we were at a, a marriage conference. And uh, we were I can still picture it. We were in this hall having one of these breakout moments. And we're sitting in these chairs. And she says to me, uh, marriage is just not what I expected it to be. It should be so much more. I was like dumbfounded. Like, what do you mean more? Like, this is it. I work. You cook. We have a relationship that functions. We have kids. I honestly had no clue. Like, what are you talking mm. about? I mean, I grew up in a C-plus arrangement. That's where I am. That's what I've been defined as. Our marriage is also, you know, we don't get the good stuff, but we're just C-plus, you know, okay, yeah. passing, but I just had no words. Like, this was a totally new concept to me that you actually think that there should be more in marriage. And this is the deepest thing, Morgan, is that I don't know how to give you more. Mm. I, I don't know how to offer anymore. I don't know how to fix this. I can't. And I, I don't even remember. I just I had nothing to do. I, I, I just knew that there was something wrong and there was something that she wanted that I couldn't offer. And what was it that you felt inside? I mean, because I, I hear a lot of deadening of heart, deadening of dreaming and desires. Yeah. Right. And in other words, I don't know that you would even have called it a C plus at the time. Right. It sounds like you would have said, this is life. Like, yeah. this is the abundant life. This is what's available. But it sounds like when Sue lovingly confronted you, it was exposing. Yeah. This is the other thing. I had zero emotions. Like, I had shut my heart down so much at that point in time that she used to joke with me. And it was like, I was so proud of it. Two emotions a year. I mean, that was like, that's it. You know, and so what did I feel at the time? I, I couldn't tell you I felt anything, but I just felt, wow, this, like, what do you mean? I, this, you want more? I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. There was a start of something, though, that you know, I think exposing is a good way to put it, exposure of that. There is, there's intended to be something more. Your wife sees it. She's experienced it, but you, you, you don't know it. You don't understand it. I don't know how many years it was later than that, that this is a really interesting story, but she um, was looking on Amazon for a book and um, she came across one called The Sacred Romance. And so she got it and read it just because it was a cool title. And then she said, I should read it. And this will give you some views of where she was at with God and where I was. She said, you should read this book, The Sacred Romance. My response is, that is just gross. That's just, I mean, seriously? <laughs> like, one, romance with God, there's something like not biblically a, wrong with that. Not for a mathematician, Say, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't like fit. Like, no, you know, I'm glad you like it. I don't even know why you like it, but no. But at the time, you're working for a ministry. Uh, at that point in time, I was I had left that ministry. Okay, so you're yeah. saying so you've already done a career oh, yeah. in ministry. Yeah. And she says, yeah. read this. And you say, it's sick to even think about romance with God. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'd left the ministry and we had gone into a corporate world. I was now performing in the corporate world where you get rewarded. So it was working for you now. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, working outside the home, but not working in the home. Mm. And our kids 
we had two daughters. Um, we have two daughters, and they um, they were growing up, teenage years. You know, I wasn't offering to them what they needed and wanted. You know, there was issues with my eldest daughter. Um, just not a lot of connection there. So I think more and more as life went on, I, I saw, you know, there's got to be more to this than than what I've experienced. Just to, to sum it up, you know, that, that formula-driven, you know, God has given us the rules. They're in this book. Study it hard. Do well. You know, don't go outside those bounds because he'll be disapproved with you. He'll be disappointed with you. And at the end of the light, your life, he'll just sort of see how things went and measure up how you did. And, mm. oh, by the way, you're not going to have done very well. Mm. That's how I lived. That mm. was where I was at. You know, that's not, there's no joy. There's no romance. There's no mm. invitation from from God. And that is just, here's the rules. And And that was very much the way my father was. And so, it was a enlightening moment. And I think it was surely God that gave me this moment to make me realize that the way I saw God was the way I saw my father. He provided a house and food and told me the rules. And when I shared that with Sue, she was like, oh my gosh, you just realized that? Like, that is so huge. That That's like, you're just now mm. realizing that you're what, 40? Mm. I don't know how old I was. It was something like that. Wow. But I thought, well, I, I think I've really put God in this box, and that's all he's about. You painted a picture of a man who's extremely shut down, whose performance didn't work in ministry, but was handsomely rewarded in the world, but was increasingly exposed in the context of marriage with Sue. You were outed. It wasn't working. And now you have growing women, these maturing daughters mm -hmm. into young women, and you're just not available. It's a stark contrast to how I experience you. I've only had the privilege mm -hmm. of getting to know you in this stage of life over the last decade. And I see a very different man, a, a life that has intimacy, a life that has joy, a life that has relationship with God, a life that's attractive to other men. You mentioned receiving the sacred romance. Tell us more. Describe awakening. Describe the shift. Describe where you came to know a God different than how you learned him in the image of your earthly father. I think one of the one of the big breakthroughs, Morgan, was coming to the realization that God, the creator of the universe, actually speaks to me. Mm. He, he wants to speak into the specific areas of my life and in a way that not even his word can speak into. There were some ladies that were in the home group that we were in. They sort of, because they probably heard all that Sue had said about, you know, how things are going. And so they were always, <laughs> they were always very lovingly encouraging me to step more into the wild goose and, you know, what he has to offer. And at one point in time, they offered me a book, I think it was called Hearing God by Dallas Willard. And like, oh, here they go again. This is their little kick. But I picked it up and I started reading it. And and the cool thing about it was Dallas typically, you know, just goes through a scriptural background right. for why this is. And for me, it 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 like it 
resonated with. Okay, yes. yeah, I mean, I trust the word. I do. I mean, I, I, I value it. And, and so his ability to walk through that and say, you know, wh- why would you think he doesn't speak to you? Sort of, okay, all right, I'm, I'm open to that. All right, maybe there's something more to this. So as God started speaking into specific things in my life in ways that were transformational to me. Dave, what I love about that is God knows rules work for you. So he uses Dallas to lay out the rules, all of the scriptural basis in hearing God, where what I love in there, Dallas says, actually, it's more ridiculous to think that God doesn't speak to you than that he does when you actually look at the base of the scripture. But here's God using the scripture, which you wholeheartedly trust to communicate to you. Well, the scriptures say that those that belong to God hear what God says. It just It's just a brilliant, brilliant disruption. Yeah, it, there's a there's another really brilliant disruption that I, I realized even just recently. I was sitting in some prayer time with some guys, and um, I was the focus. The prayer was around me. Okay. And um, is this like an intervention or a small group? It's or? a it's a okay. two two guys. I had brought up an issue. We were praying over it, listening prayer type of situation. And I'm just sitting there thinking the whole time, like, oh, Dave, you're making this up. Dave, I don't want to make this up. But God brought me into a place during that prayer time, which was transformational. It was was a good thing that he spoke to me about. But I realized afterwards that, you know, I just didn't want to make this up. And and God just said to me, Dave, if you make it up, I'll deal with that too. Like mm. you, if you if you think you're making it up, if it's just being formulated in your mind, and you think you're just making this up, I'll come and meet you there. Wow! I'll speak to you through mm. that because I, I want to speak into your life. I'm your father. You're my beloved son. I, you know, I'll deal with whatever you bring towards me. Describe the effect. Describe the fruit of this transition from God being the one who provides basic needs and gives you rules to follow to he's a loving father and there's nothing, but I hear you saying there's nothing you could present to him, even in sin or lack of faith, that he isn't joyfully willing to engage you. What is the fruit of... The the fruit is, is restoration, transformation, like stuff that I dealt with before. I don't, like it's not even an issue anymore. I have in the recent couple of years sat down at the end of the year and gone through my journal with the specific purpose of just being able to put on a couple pages everything that God said to me that year. Mm. And I am just shocked and brought to tears every time I pull those pages out and I look at Mm. what he has said. And they've been things that are specific to a relationship or specific to my marriage, or it's just been simple things like between me and God. Dave, you're my beloved son. Or at one point in time, I was struggling with my upbringing and and the pictures that I had seen of myself. I just felt shamed of who I was and what clothes I wore and what it looked like. And I realized that every time I looked at these pictures of me as a 10 or 12 or 13-year-old boy, I was like, what a jerk. And God uncovered this to me, and he spoke to me at a very particular time in that struggle in this last year even. And said, Dave, you are my idea. You're my idea. Mm. That kind of specific speaking into my heart 
you know, and correcting specifically what I was thinking and what I was concluding about myself and having that come from your father, there's nothing that can equate to that. There's nothing mm -hmm. that can trump that. That's transformational. It is. It changes and, and heals something that was causing huge dysfunction mm -hmm. in my relationships. So to have a father who knows more than I do even about all the wounding and, heal and, and issues that I've had in life and who can speak specifically into that, man, it's just, it's, it's not something that you can make up. Mm. You know, scripture, what, what was always my, my basis of the rules has moved from that. And sure, there's doctrine in there. There's biblical issues that are, can clearly be laid out. But now when I study the Word, I sit down, I study it, but then I sit back and I ask, Father, what is, what is it that you want to say to me through this? Mm. And I, I jump into things that stand out. I'm in a Bible study with some older dudes. They're all, a lot of them are old NAB guys, so they really know how to study the Word. Mm, you that's know? cool. It, it, it's good. We were studying Acts last year, and um, there's a particular chapter where Paul goes in and talks to a group of people and basically gives the history of the world in like four verses. But part of that says, you know, that God knew you, he put you, he placed you at a time and a place that he knew you would have the most chance of reaching out to him so that you would find him for he is always near. And that verse jumped out at me. And so as I was preparing for that, I, I sat back and he says, God, what is, it, what is it that jumps out about this verse? It's so cool. He brought up to me that I have always wanted to live in the time of Lewis and Clark. Mm -hmm. Like, I, my, my family would tell you this. Like, I would always say things like, oh, if I could only live back then. Or, oh, I should have been back in the, you know, the days when the frontiermen were coming through Colorado and look, you know, just, I would joke about it. But there was actually part of my heart that you know, really is like, you know, I should have been born yes. back then. You know, I'm, I should have been there. Yeah, there's an honest regret and a sorrow. Yes. Yeah. And he brought that up as I was sitting there at my kitchen room, kitchen table studying this. He said, Dave, you, you know that I didn't put you back in that time because I put you here now at this time in this place because I knew. And all of my creation and organization of the universe, I knew that this time, this place, these people would be the time when you would have the most chance of reaching out to me and finding me. Mm. And Dave, you did. You found me. I was always near. You found me. I'm so thrilled that you found me. Mm. It worked. It worked, Dave. What I did worked. Wow. And wow. I was just a mess. I just like, wow. God Almighty, the creator of the universe and the heavens, reaches out, places me at a time when I would reach out and find him. And yeah. I did. You know, so those thoughts of I should have been born at another time. Like that's history. Like from no. that revelation, it's there's over. a releasing of that completely. Oh, it's fascinating, Dave. Just viewing your life, seeing, knowing that piece of your story, and then observing how you've really found ways to flourish in this age mm. with that heart. Mm. Right? Mm. I mean, I think that in some ways, it still is true of you that you didn't live in that time. Like you said, God had reasons for that, but it is the geography of your soul. It is who you are. 
in it's your soul's picture. And I love that it expresses itself in your adventurous life, both on a spiritual level and, and a very practical level. Mm. I mean, by way of example, right? Some people like to do running races and they might run a 10K or some people even run marathons, right? And then there's a few crazy <laughs> folks that a marathon is a training run and they get excited when someone says, how about we run 50 miles? How about we run 100 miles? You're one of those guys, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Just crazy. Running. Yeah. Give, so, give us some visibility so a, by way of example. Yeah, that's a story of redeeming something that was lost too. You know, one of the dreams I had when I was a kid, and we just to go on a long trek, you know, we were camping with another family down in Pennsylvania when I was, I don't know, 10, 11. And it was right by the Appalachian Trail. And so me and this other guy who was my age, we said, hey, can we go out overnight? We want to we want to hike part of the Appalachian Trail. And so our parents said, "Yeah, sure, go. You know, you can go do that." And there was a joke that was, "We're just how far are you going to go? Well, we're just to this place and beyond. Like we don't know." And I guess they just let us go. Love it. Well, we went out and we had a plastic sheet to sleep in. <laughs> you know, and I don't even know if we made it through the first night. We were totally naive and didn't know anything about what to do, you know, uh, out overnight. So we came back and everybody's laughing, you know, like, oh yeah, down the Appalachian Trail and beyond. Oh yeah, sure. Mm. And even decades later, that story of me and my friend doing this still comes up as a bit of a joke. Mm. So there's always been this heart in me that wanted to do things that were epic, you know, that were long, the Lewis and Clark Trail, you know, the Continental Divide Trail, the Appalachian Trail, these, these epic things, both in the physical world, but also in the spiritual world and in relationship with people. I want to really get epic. So the invitation to like run 50 miles when it was offered to me by a friend I, I had in Hong Kong when I was working there was like an invitation. There was nothing to do with performance. There was nothing to do with, well, what will people think of me if I do this? It was completely, whoa, really? Like people run 30 miles? Like 50? Well, 100 miles? Yeah, I just, I started into it. I, I ended up pacing a guy at the Leadville 100 a year or so after that. And it was like, wow, this is just, it's like 24 hours of there's nothing else going on but getting yourself through this race. There's been so many life metaphors in a 100-mile race. Mm. I mean, it's good, it's bad. It's I mean, we could have an entire podcast talking mm. about those metaphors. And the times I've had alone out in the mountains with God and with other men, you know, running these things, pacing together. There's a, a friend of mine that runs with me, and he paced me through, ran with me through the night in Steamboat last year. And just so many parallels to what life is like when you're doing a 100-mile or 50-mile race. So it's become a restoration for me of something that was lost, this epic journey that I've always been called into, and to be able to do it in a day's time and just have all of it happen within a day and have people around you and the celebration when you come in and the feast when you finally mm. have your stomach settled down and can eat anything forever, it brings me tremendous joy. I love seeing even just the joy on your face, you know, <laughs> and, and just the context. As you described, you have a Lewis and Clark heart and for open trail and for moving into frontier and that race and the camaraderie with God 
and with other brothers is such a beautiful blend of the human realm and the spiritual realm and such a model of what it looks like for your gifting and your temperament to be brought under the richness of the kingdom, to be brought into sonship so it can be free to be enjoyed and celebrated. Yeah, it's not something that you arrange for. You know, it's something that you're given. Hmm. And trusting that the Father has good things for you has been such a huge breakthrough hmm. lesson for me to, and to live in that more and more. Hmm. So Dave, speaking of good things, so a lot of the men listening are where you were at 40, at 45, at 35. And there's a lot of pain out there. And one of the mottos we have, the mantras we live by, as you know, don't waste your pain. Don't waste your pain. We're all going to suffer. And then there'll be a lot of suffering in a hundred mile race. So you're sitting with a son and he is you back there. And you're speaking from both your pain and the promise of what God's done for you. What counsel would you give to him? What would you want to speak from the seat of elder that the father's brought you into? I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. You know, it's so easy for us as young men to get surrounded by the situation that we're in. Life, family, job, the things that are immediately in front of us that demand our attention. There's chaos around you oftentimes. And it's so easy to let that become what defines you or to become the agenda. Like the agenda is what's around me. And that's part of what you're, that's part of what you've been given. That's mm -hmm. part of what you, you know, you need to, to do a lot of things. You need to pay the bills. You need to engage with your family. But I think the question that I missed and that I would want to ask myself in the midst of those situations at 32, 35, 40, I wish I would have paused and just ask the Father, Father, what, what are you up to mm. in me in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this? What, what, are you, what are you wanting to bring through this situation in me? I think that question is not something that was even you know, in my portfolio of questions at the time because God was not involved with me. I mm. was just on my own. I think if I had asked those and if guys in those different ages and stages of life asked that question as a predominant question that's, that follows their days, I think they'll experience, I know they'll experience the richness of the Father working in their life mm -hmm. and being alongside them because he is always engaged. He's there ready to bring great healing, transformation, make us whole. The question is, what are you you know, are you responding? It's always an invitation. Mm. There's always the invitation that is there. That's always what God is. He's, he's, an inv he's inviting us into something. Are we willing to pause, let all of the dust settle, and say, God, what is it that you are up to here? So evocative, Dave. One elder in my life said to me years ago, when we are busy, the Father is quiet but he waits to be wanted. And the picture you're painting is very intoxicating. The possibility 
as you're saying, that he's always involved. He's always inviting. He's always making himself available right in the midst of chaos, right in the midst of these particular circumstances. But I hear, and I even see this blend of pain and joy in your eyes because there's been a lot of cost in your life, particularly with people that you love. Were you to have paused, just a short pause, and to have a posture of sincere curiosity, it would have changed things greatly. And yet I sit here able to speak about it because of that pain. Yes. And to be able to relate to it and understand it. And take me back to, I know, I know this is really vulnerable and, and risky, um, but you're back with Sue in those days where she was married to a good Christian man, right? You know, offering her a solid C plus, which was probably better than lots of mm. wives, mm. frankly, mm. around her circles in Christian ministry. Were you to have this view of reality? Were you to have today's wisdom and today's intimacy with the Father and also today's level of restoration? What would you want to say to Sue? How would you engage her? Well, the way I engage with her now is so different, you know, because I see her as a daughter of the king with equal standing before the father with me. And in a lot of ways, she has insights and she has a life that she can offer much to me. So even though when she says something to me now, which might be, oh, that was painful, it's not a reactive like, oh, you know, it's my fault. And, and that was one of my, you know, issues that before is that it's always my fault, you know, so I better fix it. But now her comments to me, while they might be painful because it's reality oftentimes, to pause and say, you know, there's something in here, Father, that is true. And so you're speaking through my wife. You're saying something about something wasn't gone well. What is it? And let me give you an example of that. It was very recent. There was an evening where I was with some people, and I could feel that I was my old self. I was combative. I was argumentative. I was the guy that was trying to make sure I was on top in, in the room. And, you know, that's it. Lead. You're the oldest. Learn how to lead. This is part mm -hmm. of my—and I, I was always this way with this group of people. And— this is just last year. And so we came out, Sue was, was, was there as well. And we came out of that, we're driving home and she's obviously upset. And I, I said, what's, what's up with you? I said, well, you, you're combative, you're argumentative, you're your old self. I mean, those were her exact words. You are your old self. What a loving, courageous woman. <laughs> <laughs> but my first reaction is, what? But I knew, I felt it. I knew, like, what is this that's going on with me? Why am I this, you know? But she called it out. And so there's silence in the car in the dark of the night. I was driving home for a while as I'm sitting there saying, okay, God, I know this is true. But why? Why? I don't know. And so instead of what I would have done in the past, just said, well, I don't, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. I said, you know, you're right, Sue. I, I know. I, I don't understand it. I, I felt it. I saw mm -hmm. that tonight, but I, I don't know what it's about. I, I don't know. I, I have to 
I have to ask God, ask the Father, what is this about? Because I just don't understand it. So I did through a, a series of a longer story, but there came a point in time in the days following that where God uncovered to me why with that particular group of people, I was combative and I was my old self. And it was because those folks knew me as that little boy, mm. 10 and 12 years old, who I thought in my mind was a real maldressed, weird haircut, wore glasses. I don't like that guy. But when I was with those people, I was always trying to show that I'm not that guy anymore. Mm. Look, I'm not that guy anymore. And it was, it was, I was working on my false self. So you're saying that the what manifested was a strong false self out of reaction to the young boy in you that still that unhealed boy that was still a little boy. Yeah, which which I, I felt ashamed of. Yes. And these people knew that young boy. So I, I said, yeah, God, I, I don't know why I feel ashamed about who I am. And that's where, as, as over the days that followed, God met me in a number of places, a number of times. Mm. And he came to that young boy and he just held the boy in his arms, in his in his hands, he looked at me. He he said, "Dave, I made that boy. I know what happened. Mm. I know all that stuff. But I made you. You are my idea. I love you." And there was one point in time where the vision was just all of the stuff, all of the black stuff around my life that had made me who I was, shaped me into that boy, just disintegrated and was blown mm. away. And a number of experiences with God where he spoke very specifically to me about that young boy and what he really thought of that young boy has brought me into to some great healing in that. And recently I was with that group of people again, and Sue was there, and halfway through the evening, I sort of realized I feel totally different. Like I, I don't have any need to prove myself here. Mm. I, I am different. I am changed because of that encounter with Jesus and what he's uncovered and then what he's healed. It was a totally different evening, Morgan. And the relationship with those people has blossomed in the last six months because of that. Dave, it's just extraordinary. It's actually a better word for it is it's supernatural, yes. right? That's the epic supernatural life, right? That's the Lewis and Clark of the masculine soul. What I so love about that particularly, um, as I kind of come to the center of your story there, Dave, out of a deeper, truer identity of being who you truly are, of being a son and walking in his kingdom, what I hear is your courage to receive hmm. the words of your wife, which were painful. Yes. And yet true. Mm -hmm. She was naming a reality and you had enough of this new identity that you could then receive some really tough counsel. And then the courage for a man to be willing and able to turn to his wife and say, honey, I don't know what to do. I don't know what this is. I just want to pause on there because it's so sacred. Those are some of the most powerful words in the foundation of any transformational marriage. And so then for you to say, 
I'm going to have to ask God. I'm going to inquire of God because he's the source. And this isn't about rules and this isn't about formula. This is about a conversation and a relationship. And then you did choose to follow up in time and take that to the father. And just a beautiful image of him saying, this is not about being right. This is about a little boy that's self-protecting out of shame. And the image of Jesus healing that boy and integrating him and the black falling off. And then Dave, it's just amazing that God would be so kind to bring you into the same circumstances with the same people and for you to experience the reality of integration and, and also experience the fruit with Sue in your marriage. That's frontier. Yeah, yeah. And, and those stories, Morgan, over the last 14, 15 years, just go on and on and on. I mean, who wouldn't want to ask the Father? I mean, I'm, I find myself so emboldened and encouraged to ask him about these things and to say, I need help. I need to know. Of course, you're a son. I'm the Father. I, there's so much more. And so to live in that with more and more conviction that, yes, of, I mean, I've seen what you've done before. And so it just becomes easier mm. and the the things that you step in are greater because you're walking with the Father and you're okay to say, I need help. You know, there are so many of those stories and I, I wanna share something recently that became a bookend in a way to, to the, these 14 years. In those early years back when Sue was encouraging me to read certain books and all and I just didn't know, like really, one of the things she asked me to do um, or suggested I do. We were living in Shanghai, was a corporate executive, boom, boom, boom. She said, you should map out your spiritual landscape, you know, colored pencils or whatever else. I'm like, oh, wow, really? <laughs> That's like, right. That's it's your love language, buddy. Oh, sure. Yeah, she knew it. <laughs> so what I ended up doing was uh, getting out a bunch of magazines and I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. You know, there, I thought there's something there. What she said before seems to have borne born fruit, so maybe there is more here that she has to say. <laughs> so I got out a bunch of magazines, and I just let my heart go wherever it would go, and I just cut out stuff. I cut out stuff that struck my heart and got it all cut up. She was gone for the day. She came back, and she, the whole kitchen table, dining room table, just filled with all these pictures and all arranged in a certain way. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was a completely spirit-filled day. And I put all this together in, into this collage, and it represented my dreams. It represented what my heart longed for. But when I put it together, I just looked at it and said, I don't know how this could be true. I don't know how it could be possible. You know, picture that Morgan is sitting here in front of us, and there's a lot of really neat stuff on there that, that speaks to who I am. There's an older man there with a young boy, and he's teaching him how to fly fish. But it's not about fly fishing. It's about that this older man is passing on something of joy to this young man. There's two ranchers off their horse standing, you know, with a fence between them. And, you know, that, that picture communicates to me that these men have many things they could be doing, but they have gotten off their horse. They're standing there, and they're having a relationship together in the midst of the day. They're pausing to interact. There's words here that says, you know, follow God, um, the, the ultimate adventure hero, roadless warriors. There's, um, there's a picture of the morning with a, what appears to be a man just worshiping because I love the morning and the new day and the start of new stuff. There's so much in here. I could go through every one of these pictures and it speaks so much to me. And so I put it all together. But 
And in the center of that is a, is a few men's faces and they're content men. And that is the heart of it. I, I would love to have men at the time who we impacted are each other's lives and we're better men because of it. We're joyful, we're content, we're living engaged with each other. But at the time, my conclusion to all that was, oh, it'll never be, I, I can't make this happen. It was almost like a resignation. Mm. So I did this collage 12 or 13 years ago um, in another place, another time, and another almost reality of my life. Yes. And I put it away as something I longed for but thought, eh, don't see how it's possible. It was stored in our basement for many years, just sitting down there. Until uh, recently, I was in a smoky yurt with some rusty characters and some other men. And uh, one of the guys there takes some phenomenal pictures. And he, he captured this picture of me that just Going back to the young boy and the pictures that I've seen of myself in the past, they're like, oh, I don't like that picture. This picture came out like, whoa, is that me? Oh, that's me. Wow, that's, that's a cool picture. And then some of the guys started texting that picture to me and saying, well, the sign of, of wisdom and joy. And I said, wow, that's, you know, that's a great picture. Like, and one of the guys that took it said, you know, I, I just like to capture beauty and, and the way that I saw things on the weekend. And Dave, this is the way you were all weekend. And I just thought, wow, really? I, I was reading this in the morning and um, I was just taken back by this. Like, really? Like, you saw me that way, joyful, wise, enjoying company, content all weekend? God said, do you remember that collage, Dave? It's down in the basement. It's like 5.30 in the morning, I'm sitting in my office with some time with him and these texts. I'm seeing these texts for the first time. Go down and look at that collage. Went down the basement, I pulled it out, and I looked at it, and I thought, oh my gosh. God, you have done, you have done mm. what I longed for. I showed it to some of the guys who were on that year trip, and one of my good buddies looked at it and he said, Dave, if you had told us that you did that 12 or 13 years ago, I would have said, that's you. This is a picture of who you are. I was stunned mm. that God had been at work all these years, all those stories of him speaking into my life, healing, restoring, integrating. I'd forgot about it. I, I put it away. Like my dreams, I, I don't know. My father's not going to do that. But it was just such a milestone for me to see mm. that God is always at work mm. in our lives. And it's an invitation to jump in. It's an invitation for more. I'm just, I'm without words. Dave, a few of my friends were on that backcountry ski trip with you and staying in that year. And one of my buddies came into my office um, with that picture of you on his phone. And he said, you've got to see this picture. <laughs> and there are all these amazing pictures of that weekend. Because one of the guys, you know, is a professional photographer and he took an epic, yeah. stunning right. pictures. Outside of, of backcountry ski. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what we're talking about for, <laughs> for backcountry skiing in really deep powder. And the picture he wanted to show me of all those pictures was a picture of you. And it is, 
It is just a stunning picture, which we'll put up on Become Good Soil associated with this blog. Mm. But I looked at this picture, Dave, for quite a while. And just in my soul, I said, yes. I said, this is Dave. This is Dave Eitmiller. This is who he is. And, and Dave, as I looked at the picture, I, I just was kind of in the spirit with it. And I said, oh, this is who I know you to be, but it's also who you have become. So what's brilliant is I have not heard the story of the collage until this moment, mm. but it's brilliant that God would have showed you your dreams and desires. And as he's now taken you on this journey of maturity and wholeheartedness and moved you into the role of elder, you've become that man and someone else captured that photo in a moment where this wasn't a photo shoot. You didn't even know that Justin was taking this picture. Not at all. And it is in the very collage that the spirit led you to make over a decade ago. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that God does that causes me, it caused me to just be so clear about who he is, about what I'm about, about what my role is in the kingdom. And like fear is gone. Like, yes. okay, you're a creator of the universe. You have come, you have redeemed, restored me. And if you can do this, then... I, I must be your son. Yes. I mean, I, yes. Well, uh, it's from Corinthians. Since we are the sons of God, we must become the sons of God and now become who you were born to be, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And, and what I so appreciate about this story, I, Dave, I feel hope and possibility rising. I hope that this podcast embodies the optimism of the kingdom, the anticipation of goodness, because in your story, you describe being the oldest boy the day that you were traumatized in your soul, where your father said, you're the oldest, and now you need to learn how to lead. And the beauty of it was on that hut trip, it just happened to be mm. that you were with your mates. You were mm. with a fellowship of other like-hearted men right. that have all become sons and that all have adventurous you know, Lewis and Clark hearts. And it happened to be that you looked around and you found yourself being the old one. And they were turning to you asking for your leadership, but how different those two days are in contrast. Oh, the contrast is Morgan, that you better learn how to lead and you're on your own and you better figure this out, which is crushing versus this is your role I'm, and, and I'm your father and yes. I'm with you in it. We're yes. like, this is my agenda. This is God saying my story and I have invited you up into it because I will have a place for you in it. One of the verses that I've had in my mind the last few months is that my yoke is easy. I never understood that. Like, what do you mean it's easy? It's, it's hard as hell to do this. Like, I've got to memorize these verses. I've got to study this. I've got to figure out how stuff works. I've got to perform. That's not an easy yoke. But the Father says, no, this is, this is my strategy, my story, and I invite you up into it. And if you look through Scripture, I mean, that, that's what the invitation was to Abraham. Hey, Abraham, here, here's what I'm doing. Come. Come with me. Walk with me. Be whole. 
it's always an invitation. Mm -hmm. And so just living in that is so much more easy to do and good. And I find joy in it because you can't find joy if your role in life is to fix everything. You, you just can't. There's I, always there, something else broken. Or something else. Uh, of course. Something broken all the time. And mo many things are things that are broken that you cannot fix. And the mm -hmm. more you try, the worse it gets. And isn't that true with our wives mostly? Mm -hmm. When I shared with Sue one time that God had shown me that the reason I don't experience joy is because I'm always focused on fixing things including fixing you, mm. she immediately broke down mm. in tears. Like, oh, finally, you've figured this out. You don't need to fix me. And that was, that was huge. So joy, yeah, joy in living with the Father. He's the hero. He's the one that's called us into, up into this. There's no pressure. Mm. I'm just a beloved son enjoying Embrace my father in the adventure that is much better than Lewis and Clark mm. ever had. Wow. Dave, in the spirit of invitation, I would be honored if you would be willing to conclude our time and just guide us in a prayer to invite the father for every man, every person listening that's feeling the tension, feeling both the desire and the dilemma of where they find themselves now. Uh, just welcome your leadership and your fathering in this moment to bring his heart for each of us. So Father, you, you, are, you are the creator of the universe. You are the one who formed each one of us and each one of the men out there listening from the beginning of time. And you have invited us into your story, into your life. And we receive that invitation. We embrace it. We walk into it. We say, yes, we come and stand before you as Abraham did and say, yes, I, I will walk with you. I just ask for your strength, Father, over the men that have listened to this. You know their story. You know their life. You know their chaos and struggles. And it won't be the same as mine or Morgan's, but you know it, and you know how to speak into it. So just ask that you would, that you would speak into each man's life specifically, intimately. Bring those breakthrough moments that bring them into fullness and wholeness and intimacy with you. You're a good father. There's so much more for us as we walk with you. We're so grateful for that. Embrace you in it. Thank you, Father. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Become Good Soil podcast. For other podcasts, blogs, resources, and lots more, please join us at becomegoodsoil.com.